0: Listening to the Film Monsters Podcast with me and Ray. Christmas, everyone! From the Phil Monsters podcast, I'm Nate.
1: Wait, wait, wait! You just said Merry Christmas. I thought we were having a war on Christmas.
0: Are we having a war on Christmas?
1: I don't know, man. Is that
0: a, is that this year? Is this 2001? <laughs> 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 what 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 year is this? For Christ's sake! <laughs> well, Merry whatever holiday you celebrate. I don't really care. I'm I'm Nate, and on the other end is Ray. I think is that still you over there?
1: I mean. It might be. Does
0: Santa Claus does Santa Claus come to Utah? Is that why you're so bitter? <laughs>
1: uh, he, 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 he's he been watching, and he knows when I'm awake, so I need it to be good, for goodness sake. Santa
0: Claus sounds kind of like a sex pervert.
1: Well, he, <laughs> well, I, well, I mean, if he's watching me when I'm alone, he's probably seen a lot of things that he probably shouldn't have.
0: Close your eyes, Jesus. <laughs> well... Now that Ray and I have goofed off, it is the holiday season. Uh, we always like to talk about holiday movies. And if you listen to our last episode, we talked about films that were set around wintertime. Not specifically Christmas movies, but movies that take place around wintertime. And so today we wanted to focus a little bit more on the Christmas movies. The, f- the films that put us in the Christmas spirit. And I wanted to ask you before we start the episode, Ray, do you have any like... Christmas traditions that you take part in or like anything that you do around the holidays that you feel like are like, like get you in that spirit aside from watching these movies that we're talking about today.
1: I think the, the first thing, and, and I've discussed this with a lot of people because lucky for me, where I work, we get the whole week of Christmas off. So I'll be off from, from basically the 23rd of December all the way to January 2nd. Like I'll just be off. It's just paid week off that they give us. Where I work, I um, a lot of people like get so caught up in the holidays of their dinners, their Christmas present, and honestly, Nate, if I'm being honest, I live by I, I once when I was younger heard um, some wise words, and I want to share these words of wisdom with you because um, I think you I think you will find value in these words of wisdom I heard when I was younger. Um, it was uh, an Austrian gentleman that said this. I was I was a young I was a young man watching TV and this Austrian gentleman said something that I will forever take to heart. He said, and I quote, Everybody chill. <laughs> My favorite Christmas movie. <laughs> and then after that I realized that I just needed to chill during Christmas and relax and enjoy the time off.
0: Yeah, I feel like people kinda forget that like Christmas and Thanksgiving and all these things they build up so much stress around like hey we've got to get meals ready and we've got to do this and we're gonna you know grandma and grandpa or whoever is coming over and we've got this going on. I feel like people forget that the whole idea behind these holidays is to like Sit back and enjoy yourself. Like, try to find some relaxation. And I I think that's a really good mentality to have because, you know, the holidays are really hard for a lot of people, like, especially people that have broken families and that things aren't normal. But, you know, you try to bring some level of normalcy into your life outside of that. And I think that, like, you know, I like your approach. Just go into it with the mindset of, like, hey, I'm going to take it easy and I'm going to enjoy myself. I mean, I, I do I'd say if I had a tradition around this time of year I am a sucker for Christmas music not all of it but some of it I feel like this like you ever you ever whip out that tooth and nail Christmas record <laughs> <laughs> listen to listen listen to all my favorite tooth and nail bands covering Christmas music uh, that Amberland cover of Baby Please Come Home always hits pretty hard around this time of year I also
1: love the um, Carol of the Bells by August Burns Red.
0: Oh, it's all August Burns Red's Christmas stuff goes hard. I also love uh, on one of the last Tooth & Nail Christmas record volumes, the uh, Emery original song that they did was really great.
1: Um, the one that I really enjoy, this is not Tooth & Nail, but I do enjoy the the This Good Night's Still Everywhere by Dustin Kensrew, that whole like album where he wrote, he covered a bunch of Christmas songs, but then he wrote two original songs, um, This Is War and This Good Night Still Everywhere. Dustin Kenstrue is one of my favorites, so like I love throwing that record on every year for sure.
0: I'm going to have to check that out because I really love Dustin's voice. I think he's really talented. I've never listened to it. Obviously, a lot of my repeats this time of year are the Phoebe Bridger's Christmas songs, which I play nonstop. And also one of my favorite covers ever is Copeland's cover of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas.
1: Are you familiar with, do you like the lulls in traffic?
0: I love everything Aaron Marsh touches, yes. <laughs> have,
1: you, have you, Have you? well, do you like that song, The, the Silver Bells Are Ringing? Yes. It's such a tragedy song but i love it so much
0: it really is and i think i feel like christmas music's a big part are you like a are you a big decorator do you like to do like the outside lights or anything are you mostly like an interior
1: keep it keep it simple i like to keep it simple but it's kind of hard to gauge this year because this is most of the time for christmas it's like you know i will go down to my parents or something to that effect so i don't like put a lot of pressure into it but this year I've had a lot of construction going on in my house where um, I'm trying to take care of of the kitchen, remodeling a lot of stuff because my house is really old. So there hasn't been a lot of decorating, if I'm being honest with you. I will put up a few things. Um, but I don't go as hard as some people do. So I, I would say that I'm more of like a keep it simple type of person.
0: Yeah, I like last year was one of the first years that I actually put Christmas lights up out outside. I always put stuff inside my house. But last year was the first time I would put Christmas lights on the on the outside of my house. But I'm, I'm like you, I typically like to keep it pretty chill, keep it pretty simple. Uh, I do have a huge Christmas tree and then two small Christmas trees. Luckily, the two small ones that I do have very minimal decorating, but I put all those up this year and I've got some decorations. I do like to feel that spirit around the house. There's a way that you felt about Christmas when you were a kid. I know with you coming into the United States, I don't know what your family was like around Christmas when you were really young, but like for me... Christmas was this whole big deal. My parents would play Christmas music, like, all month of December. Like, they really hyped it up. I feel like that feeling you got when you were a kid that there was this, like, sense of uh, enchantment and sort of, like, wonderment around the holiday, which is something that, like, as an adult, I try to recreate. Obviously, like, not the fantastical elements of Santa Claus and what have you, but, like... You know still get that feeling of like joy and one of the big things for me is like giving gifts to other people i really i think that's probably my favorite part about christmas is just making other people smile i think that's probably the best part of the holiday for me
1: i do like that that aspect as well putting the thought of what they they might enjoy um Fun little fact, I don't know if you were aware of this, maybe you were because you say you worked around a lot of Spanish speaking people when you were working in restaurants. But a tradition that I use, I don't know, I don't do this anymore because the older I get um, and the more I surround my, I immerse myself in American culture. Some of the stuff that I used to do doesn't really translate as well. My family in my country, it is very um, popular for people to open presents at midnight. They open, well, because the belief is this, the belief is that, because, you know, El Salvador, where I'm from, being still a fairly religious country, they don't celebrate like, oh, Santa's coming tonight, so he's going to drop off the presents, no, no. Um, it's more of like we open presents when quote unquote Jesus is born. So we so we're we're up celebrating the birth of Jesus, and then the you know like the gifts are the the symbolic gesture of like bringing gifts to to the newborn Savior. You know like that that whole narrative. So it used to be one of those things where we would stay up till midnight. Um, we would have late dinner. People you know adults were usually partying and drinking and whatnot, and then at midnight. Everyone rushed home and we stayed up at midnight opening presents. That used to be like a big thing that we did as kids. And now that I've moved to the United States and I started doing the whole opening presents on the 25th, I honestly like it better, if I'm being honest with you, because it's nice to just be able to watch a movie, go to sleep and wake up well rested to enjoy the Christmas presents. Because when I was a kid, I would still up till midnight, I would open my brand new whatever I got, and then I had to go to bed, so I didn't even get to enjoy it.
0: The Spanish-speaking people I worked with didn't really talk about that, but one of the traditions that they did do, which I thought was really interesting, and I don't know, like, any of anything about it other than, like, I participated with them because they thought it was cool. Do you know anything about the tradition of, like, the the pastries that are baked with like the babies inside of them
1: no that is a very very like mexican tradition that is very rooted in mexico
0: that's that's what i would have assumed cuz like half the people i worked with were from mexico especially like mexico city and then like the other half that i worked with were from the honduras so i feel like there was a lot of cross cultural things that were brought in but i always thought that was really interesting it's always cool to me to see other countries interpretations of religion and like holidays and all that, because like, it's just so dr- It's like what you said, like, it's gotta be really weird when you live, live a specific way for so long. And then you move to another country and it's like, well, you're here now you have to change everything.
1: <laughs> like one, so like one of the big, big examples is in El Salvador. I don't know about now because it's been like over 20 years, but in El Salvador, when I was a kid, fireworks were, Free free game anybody could light up fireworks in their street I was out from the moment. It got dark till midnight just blowing crap up all all at night and then you know, people were opening presents because the street would go silent and then we would open presents and then some people would go out and keep like the, the older kids would go out and keep blowing crap up and the younger kids like myself will go to bed. But when I came to the States, it was so weird because I'm like literally sitting there. I'm like, why is thing are things so quiet? This is making me uncomfortable.
0: No, that's that's insane. But that's that's really cool, though. And traditions are cool and everything. But I know that one tradition that we both share is our love for holiday movies and so ray and i are very excited because today we're just going to kind of go back and forth like we did on the last episode and talk about some holiday movies that we enjoy uh and i'm sure we'll have some crossover because that's bound to happen but i am interested as to what popped up on your list so who would you like me to go first or do you want to go first this week
1: you know what i'm gonna start because i want to i want to close a loop that i start that i opened last week
0: Do it. Let's do it. I cannot wait to hear you talk about The Green Knight, my favorite Christmas movie. (laughs) No. All right. Hit, hit me with it.
1: So last so last week when we were talking about winter movies, I talked about a, a little movie called a street cat named Bob. After James Bowen, the guy that the, the homeless guy developed that bond with with this cat, once he got pulled out of like all of these problems that he had drug issues and he got clean, sober, and started writing, he wrote a children's book called A Gift from Bob, which is a Christmas story about his cat Bob, and it's just like a sweet Christmas story. And that movie actually last year got made into a motion picture. I guess you can say it's the sequel to A Street Cat Named Bob. Basically like a really hardship, some hardships that he went through during the Christmas holiday that didn't make it into the movie because they were very Christmas centric. So the movie is basically like it's him and the cat, animal control, and in London wants to take the cat away because they think that he's being neglectful of the cat um, because he's this homeless guy just playing the guitar, trying to make some money. So the whole movie is about um, basically Animal Control trying to take the, Christmas, the cat from him during Christmas season and all these people that have seen how he's kind of got his life together and he's starting to, and he's clean now and he's starting to do his best, kind of band together to help him, um, you know, basically keep the cat, you know, because he says that, like, he doesn't want to be alone for Christmas. So it's it's like, a, again, a sweet, very sweet, innocent story of this man and his cat again. But this time it's all centered around Christmas and how he wants um, to to prove to animal control that he is capable of, of taking care of his cat so he can be with his cat for the holidays. Just a honestly, sweet, sappy, love it. I was actually crying like a little baby by the end.
0: Sounds like something I'd be a sucker for, that's for sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no for well and the, the thing that made it more, more heartbreaking so a, a thing I didn't mention last last week is that on both movies they actually used the actual cat oh wow so they, they actually like got the real cat to be the like they didn't get a, a cat actor they got the real cat to be in both of the movies and unfortunately the cat was already pretty old so the cat passed away last year so this movie was like his posthumous um, release basically yeah so, 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 being able to see the cat on the screen again after he had passed away was just like, "Oh, I was gut wrenching because you're like he's dead now, but like the story the the spirit of the story still remains true to to the situation that this man went through. So I was blubbering like a child by the end of the movie. um, but it's a sweet story, and I just wanted to bring it to a close loop because I finished with a street cat named Bob last week, and this week is a gift from Bob, which is a Christmas story regarding both of those two and the bond that they built during Christmas. And it makes me blubber like a child every time I watch it. And I love those movies.
0: Well, that sounds wonderful. I need to check both of those movies out because I'm always in the mood for something sappy.
1: Oh, there is sap. I'll tell you that much.
0: Well, I'm always down for that. Well, are you ready for my next pick, which will be uh, something the complete opposite of sappy? (laughs) Are
1: are you ready for it? Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, I tried. I try to keep this thing wholesome. I give well, up. Well, I'm, ab- I'm about to ruin it because the
0: first Christmas movie I want to talk about is the 2007 French extremist horror film Inside from Alexandre Bustillo and Julian Maury. Have you ever heard of this movie before?
1: <sighs> what is it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's bleak my friend uh this is talk about ruining the holiday spirit right away on this episode this is a movie about a woman who is in the car with her husband and they're in a head-on car accident while she's eight months eight nine months pregnant almost about to give birth and her husband dies immediately on the I'm, the, I'm sorry I'm ruining Christmas. He di- he dies immediately on impact and so she goes she's living afterwards. It's a couple of weeks after the accident. And she goes to the doctor to get a checkup on her baby to make sure the baby's doing okay, everything's fine. They tell her to uh, go home on Christmas Eve, spend Christmas Day at home, and to come back the day after Christmas and to get a checkup. And so she's like, okay, that's fine. So she goes home. Her mom is supposed to come over for Christmas Day. And it's at night, and she starts to see this person outside of her house. And she ends up calling the police, and the police come But they don't find anyone and so she ends up like you know saying okay whatever she ends up going to bed her mom doesn't get there well she wakes up and there is literally a woman standing in her room and you find out that for some reason this woman is trying to kill her and you have no idea why and so the entire movie is the two of them in this house together and it's this kind of cat and mouse game of like this woman wants to kill this other woman for some reason. You don't know why, but for some reason she wants to kill her. And the whole movie you're trying to figure out why does she want to kill her? And it's this tight, tense, suspenseful thriller set on Christmas. So you've got all the Christmas decorations and stuff and that contrast between like, you know, the spirit of of, of Christmas and the happiness mixed in with this really bleak, horrifying concept of a horror movie. It's one of my favorite horror thrillers, I guess you would call it. It's very violent. There is a ton of blood in this movie. Like, it's insane. The two female leads that are in it are both really fantastic. There's some really cheesy CGI moments in it that uh, they, like, go inside the woman's pregnant belly and you kind of, like, see the reaction of the fetus. Which I know was their way of, like, trying to say here's the stakes because this woman is pregnant. Like, I get that. Um, But aside from the cheesy CGI, it really is like a tense, suspenseful movie that I i don't always watch it around christmas time but i do enjoy it whenever i see it because it's just that good
1: i tried i tried to keep this thing lighthearted.
0: hey listen i'm a pinnacle for human misery my friend nobody (laughs) no no you didn't think you were going to be able to escape one episode without getting some kind of miserable movie (laughs) all of you out there know the way i operate Ray, you should come to expect it by now, my friend.
1: I, honestly, I don't know I don't know if, what to think here. Is it more of like, I should know better? Or like, what does it to say about me? You know, this mystery love company? I think
0: you should just expect it. You should be like, oh, it's a Valentine's Day episode. Nate's going to talk about some like serial murder movie. <laughs> that's just how it works. So that's Inside. It's really great. It's French. The French are wild. Their movies are insane. So now it's your turn, sir. If you want to bring us back out of the abyss, you can or take us further into it. I'm giving you, I'm giving you the wheel.
1: I don't know that I can take it more, like, I don't think I can take it further into it.
0: Yeah, that's true. You can just kind of level it out. You can just keep it the same.
1: After After hearing about this French, like, extremist, gory, like, brutality of a movie, there's only one thing I can think of to kind of, to kind of cheer us up a little bit. It's Black Christmas.
0: I love Black Christmas, and that is also on my list. Uh, Black, Black, you know what's funny about Black Christmas? I do love watching it around this time of year, but I probably watch this movie two to three times a year because, aside from it being a great like slasher movie on the holidays, it's just a great horror movie.
1: Well, and we've talked about this movie a little bit in the past, um, but there is, and, and by the way, for those for for the un, un, uninitiated, I'm talking about the OG Black Christmas.
0: Yes, even though I will say the 2007 remake is really good.
1: Oh, I thought you were going to say how much you love Image and Poots one.
0: It sucked so bad. I don't ever want to think about that movie. It was horrible. <laughs> Fucking Blumhouse. Why can't you be consistent with your movie releases? No, the 2007 one has like a cast of characters that as soon as you see it, you're like, oh my god, that's so 2007. Uh, but it's really entertaining. It's a little bit more mean-spirited than the original Very much like it's—it was made by Dimension Films, who put out Scream. Oh, okay. So you kind of get the idea. Uh, It's nowhere near as nuanced and incredible as the original, but it's still worth watching.
1: No, and the original one, what I love about the original one is like it's not just like a good slasher and a good like. That takes place in Christmas. It's also the fact that it's like so many of the techniques that they use, at least on the ma- for mainstream audiences, it hadn't you hadn't been able to see it at that point. Um, I know that there's like you can find some like obscure indie movie from like the '60s that use some of these techniques, but as far as mainstream audiences, some of the stuff that Black Christmas was doing was unheard of.
0: It is the OG slasher. It's it's what inspired John Carpenter to do Halloween, which now everyone says, oh, Halloween is the the OG. No, Black Christmas is. My favorite thing about Black Christmas, though, and I feel like this doesn't really get talked about as much, is the ambiguity of all of it. I love that we don't know who the killer is, but you do get weird little insights into it. Like, I always watch this movie with subtitles. I typically watch everything I do watch with subtitles because i feel like you can pick up on a lot of things especially with how the audio is layered some of the conversations that this guy is having with himself on the phone give you little bits of detail into what his life is like and, and and like what may have caused him to kind of lose his mind whereas like in the 2007 remake they actually just tell you Which I liked, it was different, but I do like in this one that it's more just like the creepy elements of it, and oh my god, his voice is horrifying.
1: Also, like, one of the most frightening scenes in any movie I've seen is that shot through the peephole, and you just see his eye bulging through it. Yes. Oh, it messes with me every time.
0: It's horrifying. Also, I know we talked about this on a previous episode, but what
1: perfect casting. Yeah, yeah. No, it's great. The
0: two lead girls, Olivia Hussey and Margot Kidder are incredible. Like two of the, two of the best slasher girls in a movie. And then, uh, I also, I I feel like he doesn't get talked about as much, but shout out to John Saxon who plays a cop in this movie, just like he did in Nightmare on Elm Street.
1: He has a type.
0: Yeah, he, he definitely gets typecasted, but he's always really good in whatever he shows up in, in any of these types of movies. Uh, and I think he plays the role really well. I also love the woman who is, like, the head of their sorority, who's just boozing up the entire time.
1: Oh, that's right. She's
0: just, she's, like, she's hiding the liquor in the bathroom underneath the back of the toilet. She pulls it out, she's like, God damn it, I'm almost out. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's the thing about
1: this movie. It has a, it has like a surprising amount of humor. It does.
0: And I also love the amount of like red herrings that it throws at you, like the boyfriend. Mm-hmm. I think that's done really, it's done really well. Uh, and I, 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 I don't know. I think it also says something that like this movie, similarly to what I talk about with Slumber Party Massacre all the time, this was released in 1974. And all of the women in this movie are treated as intellectuals. They're not treated as dumb bimbos or something. Like, they're treated as intellectuals.
1: That is something, you know, like, I hear a lot of times people complaining that there's not enough strong female leads. But I feel like that's something that horror has had a grasp on for a long time now.
0: 100% is uh, horror has really, with the exception of, like, the 1980s, where I feel like, you know, you got a lot of glut of slasher movies where it's like, here's the dumb kids having sex that are going to get killed. Like, I feel like that was... That was reoccurring. But like this, this type of movie, I feel like treats its characters as they're actually smart. Right. Which I like. I like when movies do that. I I, I like when you can see a person act as a real person and not just like, a, oh, I'm going to go into this dark basement because I'm an idiot. Like things that nobody would ever do.
1: (laughs) Yeah, seriously
0: i and oh my god talk about a horrifying image of the girl getting strangled by the plastic at the beginning
1: oh especially when they find her
0: yeah that shot at the beginning of the film where the camera i i don't even think there's really any music in the background where she's in that chair and it's just rocking back and forth and you just hear the killer making really weird noises Ugh. The phone call in it is just insane. Like, oh my God, it just horrifies me.
1: Yeah, no, everything about them, that movie is unsettling from like first frame to closing frame. Even that one where he's climbing up the ladder or behind, like in the sorority house, I think it's like the window. And that whole tracking, like that whole shot, like POV shot of him going up the stairs and just his heavy... I, I'm assuming it's a he. Um, the heavy the heavy breathing, you know, it's just everything about that movie is unsettling. Yeah, I'm
0: telling you, for me, it's the voice. His voice is so eerie. And the way it changes and fluctuates, like when he has those conversations with himself where he sounds like he's being different characters, it's just freaky.
1: Well, and then... The things that he says, because I feel like in any other movie, like the dialogue that he has would be super cheesy and super like, I don't know, almost non-threatening because it's so over the top, but it works so well in this movie because of the inclusion of the the voices that he does. It's like what he's saying is so obscene. And then you add that voice and it's just like, ugh.
0: Well, I think we've said enough about Black Christmas, but I think this is a perfect segue because... As what a lot of people don't know, maybe you do know it and we just don't, that director Bob Clark also directed another Christmas classic, A Christmas Story.
1: Ah, you'll shoot your eye out.
0: Yeah, which I thought was a perfect segue because talk about two completely polar opposite movies
1: same same composer too <laughs>
0: yeah and the same guy directed porky so i get. i mean he, he kind of just did whatever he wanted i don't know about you ray especially like you not growing up in the u.s and moving here i don't know when you saw a christmas story for the first time
1: last year or like,
0: or like last year was the first time you saw
1: it <laughs> yeah. so see
0: It's funny that you say that because like this movie came out in 1983 and I swear to God it's been in my life since as early as I can remember. My parents watched this movie so many times when I was a kid. I've probably seen this movie like – I could probably quote it from start to finish. But what I will say about this movie and we won't dwell on it for too long because I feel like it's the movie everybody watches around this time of year and everybody knows it. They, you know, all the iconic scenes like sticking the tongue up against the pole, all that shit. <laughs> but one of the one of the things I like about this movie is at the end, it does have that that moment of like you know, ha- like happiness as a family when they're sitting together at the Chinese restaurant at the end of the movie. But I think that it really does a good job of capturing like the the stress and the anxiety that the holidays can cause especially just interior with families i think it does a really good job of showing that especially one of my one of my favorite characters in all of film history is ralphie's dad <laughs> i love him i love him so he's just so mad all the time like the entire movie he's just in a bad mood also something you watched it for the first time last year but when i was a kid that scene where Ralphie goes to see Santa Claus used to scare the crap out of me.
1: That Santa Claus is creepy. He
0: is. And I don't know why it scared me so much when I was a kid, but it did. And I know that this spawned a sequel this year.
1: Hmm. I haven't seen it, but...
0: I haven't seen it yet, but I'm planning on it. Because uh, I, you know, I have a sentimental value towards the, uh, towards the original. And I'm sure I've heard a lot of people say, like, I'm surprised it was actually good. Which, cool, but yeah, I love this movie. I think it's charming, it's so funny. There's something about it, like, I feel like movies like this just don't get made anymore.
1: They don't, and especially, not just because of, like, you know, the obvious tropes of it, but, like, I feel like now the older kids get and the more access they have to, like, the internet and to... Social media, that sense of innocence of like not knowing what mom and dad got you and having this whole like ordeal around the holidays. It's almost like you need to sneak around if you want to find out what your presents are. Like, I feel like that sense of innocence behind the holidays kind of has been lost because everybody has such easy access to everything at the palm of their hands that that sense of innocence is gone for sure. So, like, this movie captures that innocence um of of the holidays for sure and i didn't grow up around snow um even in southern california like i didn't grow up with snow so there is something magical about being able to see this like white out streets filled with just like kids playing in the snow throwing snowballs at each other and sledding all the christmas tropes that you know a lot of people don't get to you know, really experienced.
0: You come visit me in Ohio in February and you'll never want to see snow again the rest of your life.
1: <laughs> oh, no, no. I, I am just... It's been snowing all, all week here in Utah. Yeah, it's, it bad. sucks
0: so bad sometimes. But, no, I get what you're saying and I agree with you completely. I think that it does add that, like level of innocence that I feel like doesn't really exist. And also I'm not normally a huge fan of it in movies, but I actually really like the voiceover narration. Oh yeah, no, it's fun. Yeah. I think that it, it it adds something to it. It feels like you're recollecting on a different time in your life. And I, I, it's one of those movies that just kind of makes you feel warm when you watch it. And now TNT does the what? 24 hour marathon of it. So it's like impossible not to see it if you have cable TV.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I, I definitely, I don't know what it was that I never actually got to watch this movie until last year, but it it really was until last year that I watched it for the first time.
0: Yeah, and and old Peter Billingsley, uh, you know, did this movie and then showed up in a slew of movies over the years, including Iron Man and Spider-Man Far From Home. Who was he? Oh, shoot, I can't even... He was like a little character in, in Spider-Man. I don't even remember. I, I know he popped up for a brief period of time. But yeah, I love I love a Christmas story. We don't have to linger on it too long because I know it's one of those movies that like everybody's seen, everybody knows about it. I just thought it was a fun segue from Black Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it's the same director. So what do you got for me, Ray?
1: Well, so I, I want to keep that, that Christmas spirit going of... Uh, of that film in particular of christmas story and i wanted to bring in the essentially the 90s kid version of a christmas story and that's eight bit christmas
0: i've never seen that
1: eight bit bit christmas came out last year um it's with neil patrick harris
0: oh i just looked this up this looks great
1: it's basically the story of neil patrick harris when he was a kid and how all he wanted to do was to get a Nintendo. <laughs> I
0: love it.
1: And it's basically a Christmas story, but with, an, with a 90s update, you know, he wants a Nintendo instead of a rifle.
0: Man, and to keep it very 90s, Steve Zahn is in the movie.
1: <laughs> yes, he is.
0: <laughs> uh, and David Cross. I don't know how I haven't watched this movie.
1: It's great. It's a heartfelt, it's like a warm, like a warm and fuzzy type movie. Uh, like I said, Neil Patrick Harris. I always love Neil Patrick Harris. Whatever he does, I'm there. I lo- I love him so much. So do
0: I. From from unbearable weight of massive talent to Gone Girl, the the guy's got some range.
1: Also, like for some reason, they decided to cast the most open gay man to play the most misogynistic character on How I Met Your Mother.
0: <laughs> yes, I I love when. Neil Patrick Harris plays aggressively straight characters. It cracks like me up on
1: like on like on Harold and Kumar.
0: Yes, it's so funny to me. He he seems like he'd just be like the most fun person to hang out with in real life. Also,
1: him and his husband are like parent goals.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. No, I can't believe I haven't seen this ray. This is one I might actually have to sit down this week and watch it cuz this looks like something I'd really like. Looks like HBO it's a blast.
1: Max. Yeah, no, it, it's a blast of a movie. Like I said, it's pretty derivative. It's basically a Christmas story but with a place with with a Nintendo and a 90s update. But just because it's derivative doesn't mean it's bad.
0: <laughs> no, and that, and that's the thing. I feel like You know, even as people, uh, even like harsh movie critics, I feel like people that are like really, uh, really like intense on films, you always seem like you can go a little bit softer around Christmas movies. I don't know what it is. Something about it like you're you're able to excuse some of the things because most of the time unless you're on the Hallmark channel, which they're just shitting those things out to make money, most of the time I feel like there's good intention
1: behind it. Hold on. I thought the rest of the episode wasn't gonna be focused on Hallmark.
0: Oh god, no. Um But but yeah, I I uh, I don't know. I this sounds like something that I would really, it's wonderful. Uh, really it's a, enjoy. It's
1: a wonderful time. Honestly, it's just a wonderful movie.
0: Well, that's wonderful. Well, speaking speaking of Hallmark movies, I want to talk. I want to talk about a movie that makes fun of Hallmark movies. That was actually a Sci-Fi Channel original movie that I watched last year, and I loved this movie. It's called Letters to Satan Claus.
1: What is that?
0: So essentially, sci-fi made a movie that takes every single Hallmark trope and makes fun of it. And it's about a young girl named Holly, who's a news anchor, who is going to go back to her hometown for the Christmas parade, which is every single Hallmark movie. And she realizes that when she was a kid, that instead of writing letters to Santa Claus, that she wrote letters to Satan. And Satan comes to this small town and starts killing all the people in the small town. And it is... It's stupid, like it's very stupid. Uh, It's not a perfect movie. There's, There's a lot of problems with it, but it's very charming and it's hilarious. And I would highly recommend this to anyone who has a sick sense of humor like myself um but like there's even the trope of like falling in love with the guy who's probably santa claus's son and all that shit shows up in this movie and you're just laughing half the time because you can tell it's played so straight that they're trying to make fun of it
1: this is a tv 14 really
0: yeah uh they get away with a lot for the sci-fi channel you'd be surprised someone gets their eyes ripped out and and the eyes get stuck on a snowman, which I thought you'd appreciate. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's a fun movie. If you look at the IMDB ratings, like you'll see like a bunch of people are like, I hated this. It was so stupid. It's dumb. Well, the whole point of it is it's supposed to be dumb. It's literally making fun of all those Hallmark movies. And I just thought it was charming. And it was a lot of fun. And it was something that I feel like probably a lot of people haven't even heard of. And I'm sure you can probably find it anywhere like i'm i think i was able to go on my tv and type it in and you could stream it uh from the sci-fi channel so letters to satan claus it's fun
1: well nate while we're talking about movies that are irreverent and that not enough people are talking about but they should why don't we just bring it in why don't we just talk about anna and the apocalypse
0: i watched this for the first time yesterday and boy, oh boy, did I love this movie.
1: So for, for, for the uninitiated, and and the Apocalypse is a Christmas zombie Glee-style musical.
0: Oh, and I was so excited too because the the lead actress, Ella Hunt, was in the Emily Dickinson TV show that I watched this year, which I really liked. So I saw her and I was like, oh, she's a really talented actress. And boy, can she sing. She's got a really great voice.
1: You mean low budget Anna Kendrick?
0: That that could be what it is, but she has a great voice.
1: No, she is. I'm, I this is not to like trash her. She was phenomenal, but she just reminds me of Anna Kendrick a lot.
0: The whole cast has a really has great voices, and what I love about this is like the beginning is very shot of the Dead. Yes, like especially that that musical number with her and the guy that's into her, where they're like singing the song about it's a it's a beautiful new day. When the zombies And everything <laughs> is just
1: just getting destroyed in the background.
0: <laughs> it's great, and I think what I really liked about this, and I I wanted to talk about it with you, Ray, because I haven't really got to talk to you about this movie. When you're making a musical, so much goes into the choreography of the musical numbers, making sure the songs sound great. And I feel like in the wrong hands of the wrong, like a wrong director. That they would lose track of the horror elements, but I love that it takes the horror seriously.
1: Oh yeah, no, this movie, even though it's a horror comedy, like it's it's pretty violent.
0: I love the snowman kill at the beginning. <laughs> it's so good. It's like the 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 pre, the actual effects of the zombies. I would argue are just as good as like the Walking Dead. Yeah. They look fantastic they look fantastic. All the zombies look great. The makeup is fantastic. Some of the CGI blood splatter gets a little goofy towards the end but I I don't know I love that this movie starts out as very bright and optimistic and slowly just gets bleaker and bleaker as it goes on
1: which you know I was kind of intrigued because I, as the as it keeps going I was like how are they going to handle the the end how they're gonna handle the culmination but like they handle it very very nicely it was dark it was dark but it's but it's like a good like the the dark part of it is really the like it's dark without being like oh this is hopeless and um and sad and traumatic like there's still like that traumatic aspect of it but there's still like some form of like light at the end of the tunnel type ending
0: and i think what i did like about it too is that they spend so much time at the beginning of the film actually building up the characters that you really do feel upset when characters die yeah with the exception of, like, the really douchey guy and the, the principal of the school, most of the characters in the film are really likable.
1: Well, and not only, like, even that guy that's kind of douchey, like, when you start finding out more about him, you kind of start feeling for
0: him. The character I felt the worst for is the the girl with the blonde hair. You could tell her life is a mess. Like just like her parents left her behind implying probably because she's gay and like there's so much about her that's fleshed out through the film and I was just like oh god I feel the worst for her she's been through a lot
1: yes she was also probably my favorite character to be honest
0: one of the best acted performances in the movie for certain
1: I I loved it I loved it so much um also like How psychotic the principal
0: is. Yeah. Oh, he's an actual nut. I was like, he's getting. And the thing is, is I know a lot of people at the end when he's like unleashing the zombies because he wants control. I'm sure there's a lot of people who were probably like, why would he do that? But I feel like that's a, a power trip move in a lot of zombie movies. Yeah. Where it's like. People are like, oh, well, they're not going to listen to me. I'll put them in a situation now that they'll wish they would have listened to me. Like, you go so crazy, you just do something stupid.
1: Also, I feel like a lot of people forget that, like, a lot of these movies, like, especially zombie movies, are very, like, even though even the fun ones that are meant to just be silly, they still have some form of social commentary. And you usually see that one character. You know, you have, you know, even movies that are lauded as, you know, Amazingly like Train to boost on you still have that character that's very much having a power trip and that's a troping a lot of zombie movies so it makes sense that it would be included in this one
0: a hundred percent yeah as soon as I, I was like okay he's gonna be the bad guy as soon as I as soon as he talked and I was like okay what directions is this gonna take but I feel like it does have some nice twists and turns I also like some of the goofy comedic moments like with the ball pit with like the girl's hand coming out of it you're like oh is it a zombie nah it's just her i love the little like the, the same thing they did the same shit in shawn of the dead i love i love that though and it was just the word i would use to describe it is charming
1: yeah it's a charming film for sure it's,
0: it's very i also love the poster that's like the silhouettes of them in the christmas tree but the christmas tree is zombie hands coming at them what a cool poster uh but i loved this I'm so glad you recommended it.
1: Yeah, and then the Apocalypse was great. I really enjoyed it. I think it's going to... I, I might we'll have to rewatch it here um, during the the upcoming... as we get closer to the holidays.
0: Well, it is on Shudder and Tubi, so there's plenty of places for people to watch it, for sure. Uh, I'm so glad you recommended it, though, Ray, because I loved it. Like, i I had a dumb smile on my face the whole time I watched that movie.
1: Even the villain, like... At the very beginning when he's getting after the the kids in the hallways, like I was laughing a lot of the time.
0: Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. It's, it's great. Well, I'm going to, my next movie, uh, you're, you guys are going to actually find out that I am a sap. Are you ready to find out that I actually have a heart?
1: no I don't know this this episode is giving is giving me emotional whiplash
0: well I I am a sap and I want to talk about one of my favorite movies ever made which I think will probably surprise a lot of people uh and that is the 2003 anthology film Love actually
1: that is a beautiful movie <laughs> I
0: I know <laughs> I and mean, I a lot of people I don't think believe me when I say that I love this movie. But I genuinely love this movie. I think that it's beautiful. I think that all of the little vignettes that exist throughout the movie are all fantastic. I love Bill Nighy's performance in it. Probably one of my favorite segments in the whole film.
1: I love his... I I love the whole song that he sings.
0: Oh, it's amazing. And then R.I.P. Alan Rickman, who also... Oh. That... Like, how many freaking powerhouses can you get in one movie?
1: I love... I know it's played for laughs, but I know the relation. I love the relationship that um, um, what's his name? He's in the Hobbit. This is gonna drive me nuts. Uh, Martin Freeman. Martin Freeman built as like a porn stunt. <laughs> yes,
0: that's that's one of my favorite segments in there. I feel like that's what I love about this. So obviously it's set on Christmas, but the the storylines don't all revolve around that. But I feel like all of the stories in this are so beautiful like one of my favorites in the movie is the relationship between Liam Neeson and his son
1: yeah that is a beautiful story for sure
0: it's it's beautiful and and that's that's the thing so much time is focused on each one like this movie I think is a little over a two-hour runtime and I don't feel like any one of the stories in particular is glossed over I love also like I haven't talked about it much on the podcast but I'm a sucker for Hugh Grant I have been one of my favorite movies when I was a kid was about a boy. And so like anytime I watch a Hugh Grant movie, I'm always like, oh, he's so he's just very charming and he's a very talented actor. And I love Hugh Grant segment in this. I love the segment with Colin Firth.
1: Yes. Well, and also like the the Andrew Lincoln and Kieran Knightley story is very sweet, too.
0: It is. And that's, that's probably one of the ones that I feel like I focus on the least when I watch it, even though it's still good. I I don't think it's as empowering, but like, you know, you have, like I said, you have a, like the relationship between Liam Neeson and his son. He's a single parent, his kids going through a lot that when he meets that girl at the end, when they're singing during that performance, just beautiful. Like, and then you have, uh, Alan Rickman and, um, Emma Thompson's thing which is like a broken relationship between this couple like uh, there's just such a realism to all of it and it's like it it's like i said i love holiday movies that are willing to kind of like ground themselves in more of a reality and uh this is definitely one of them like it just feels so real
1: i do agree i agree that it feels real that you know, like the movie obviously takes place in, in the holidays, but there's a big push for um, which, you know, this should this shouldn't come as like a, a surprise. You know, I feel like the holidays is such a like catalyst for people to hopefully build bonds, build uh, build upon the relationships. And this movie is all about relationships being built or rebuilt, for that matter.
0: Exactly. So, And, and it's so great. And I love that. The performance at the end of the film is really what brings all these stories together, and and I thought that that was really cool that there was a way to bring all of the stories together in one way.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's great. I I do wholeheartedly agree with you that this is this is a really, you know, for how kind of raunchy it can be at times, it's a very sweet movie.
0: It is, and it's. I feel like this is like the the early 2000s feels like the tail end of when movies like this could be theatrically released and actually be successful like the like the like then they started to, trying to do like those movies like Valentine's Day and New Year's Eve and all of these people tried to do these anthology movies and I feel like they none of them work the way that this
1: yeah uh, for sure I don't owing a lot of the movies that have this formula end up buried in streaming services
0: but yeah i love love actually i think it's a phenomenal movie i enjoy it more every time i watch it i feel like i pull something away from it and i'm glad that you've seen it and like it too ray because i was like everybody out there is gonna think i'm a sap now
1: well while we're being sappy um i'll I'll get i'll I'll, I'll i'll join on the sap i'll join on the sap you're you're gonna probably make fun of me well, so I've I brought up this movie a couple of times and you've laughed because I think you think I'm actually making fun of the movie, but I do legitimately enjoy the Christmas Chronicles. You know, I I
0: laugh about that because of the poster, but I have actually never seen the Christmas Chronicles and I love Kurt Russell and I have actually heard that this movie is fantastic.
1: The first movie is fantastic. The second one is all right. The first one is fantastic. Kurt Russell, can we just forget about Tim Allen? Because Kurt Russell is Santa Claus.
0: He looks like Santa Claus.
1: He is amazing as Santa Claus. He also has a really cool line in, at the very beginning of the movie. Because when they the kids see Santa Claus for the first time, they're like, you know, you're supposed to be fat. Um, and he was like, he's like, I deliver presents in one night for the entire world. And I jump down chimneys. What would make you think logically that I would be fat? <laughs> oh, and that, Russell. I love I I love um um the Christmas Chronicles. The first one again like I the second one I understand that people don't love the second one, but the first one is sweet. Um oh. Judah oh. Lewis who we know from um The Babysitter and from um, Summer of '84. He's, he's a charming kid, you know. The, the little girl, she's charming, you know. It's, it's it has a sweet story, has music, it has the holiday cheer. But again, the movie, like the movie, is pretty generic until Kurt Russell jumps in, and when you find out who Mrs. Claus is, it's even better. I don't want to give that spoiler because you find out who Mrs. Claus is like in the very last scene of the movie, and it's ah, Chef's Kiss. Kurt Russell is my favorite. Santa Claus
0: well Kurt Russell is just one of my favorite actors so I I mean it, like you you talk about an actor who like might not be the biggest name actor but that has consistently been just an incredible performer throughout his entire career
1: I know there's a weird comparison but Kurt Russell reminds me in a way not in his acting style but in in, in the passion Um, reminds me of Nicolas Cage, that even if the movie isn't great, you know that he's not hamming it up. He is still putting it all. He's committed to the material,
0: which I think that they're like, you know, people make fun of Nicolas Cage for that. But the thing is about Nick Cage, similar to Kurt Russell, is whatever script that they take, they're going to go into it full force. And I think that that's commendable.
1: For sure. And Christmas Chronicles, like I said, it I understand if you think, oh, this is generic, this is a dime a dozen. But Kurt Russell's performance, he will he will be cemented as my favorite Santa Claus because of his performance in this movie.
0: Well, I'm going to actually sit down and watch this this year because you've sold me on it.
1: Yes, you have to. You, you should watch it. It's on Netflix and you might actually love this movie well i have a feeling i will love it because i love kurt russell so yeah like i said the story is nothing we haven't seen yet but like i said the performance of kurt russell alone and stick around to get the unveil of who mrs claus is because mm, chef's kiss
0: that's awesome i can't wait to watch that so my next one is going to be a little bit of a cheat because it's not really it's not really a christmas movie but it's a movie that instills the feeling of Christmas in me for some reason. And it's not even one movie. It's the Harry Potter franchise.
1: I can see how this one would be there.
0: Yeah, it's obviously the... And I'm actually re-watching them right now, funny enough. But the reason why... I know that only parts of these movies take place on Christmas. But there's something about the fantastical, magical world that is Hogwarts that really... Puts me in that like childlike joyful spirit. And I was a kid who was raised uh, in a religious household. My parents actually told me when these books came out that I was not allowed to read them. And so being the little maniacal bastard that I was, I read them anyway. I, I snuck them home and I'd stay up till two in the morning with a little flashlight under my quilt and I'd read them all and I fell in love with the world and I over the years I've grown more of an appreciation for them I really love them a lot and there's something about that childlike wonderment especially in the first film that exists and when Christmas comes around on there I mean would there be a better place to have Christmas than Hogwarts I don't think
1: so I don't think so either and. You know, I do want to add a little bit to to your play here with for Harry Potter. Is I feel like when it comes, Harry Potter is like the epitome of the type of movie that you can play with the family and have like a wholesome time together. And honestly, I think those are the best types of movies to enjoy during holidays. The, the type of movie that you'll just be able to sit down with the whole family. Like like I couldn't get away with watching like Black Christmas with just like my direct family members
0: no but you could throw harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban on and you could all watch it together
1: yeah directed They're by wonderful. alfonso
0: corone <laughs> i can't i still can't believe that by the way whenever i talk about this franchise that that movie was directed by alfonso Cuarón.
1: i i and it's my favorite one
0: it's it's the best one of the entire franchise uh, 100%. But uh, actually, if you don't mind, Ray, since I didn't talk very long about this, I wanted to do a quick segue into a Christmas movie that I know you're going to want to talk about. And the reason why I wanted to do a segue is the first two films, Harry Potter films, were directed by a man named Chris Columbus, who some of you may be familiar with, who also wrote a screenplay for a little movie directed by a man named Joe Dante and that movie is called Gremlins.
1: Ah, oh, that is I was going to bring that one. Okay. Just, well, don't, I, just don't steal just don't steal the my big finale one. You I know which one it is.
0: I won't. But I know that the that you know you love Gremlins the way that I do and the, I thought that was a perfect transition because Chris Columbus has actually worked on a couple of Christmas movies, which another one might show up uh show up here uh in a little bit on my list if it doesn't show up on your list unless it's your your big finale one which i won't steal but gremlins is one of the most charming fun entertaining movies ever uh you talk about that feeling of just like wholesome and happy gremlins is that it's also very cynical and dark at times and i think it's one of the best horror comedies ever
1: made oh yeah Without a doubt, I actually just watched it recently because you gotta during this time of year. Um, but there is something so so wholesome and so cynical about it all at once, you know. You have and you know you even have it displayed with not just the characters themselves. Like you know you obviously have Billy and he has this innocence to him, um, and then you have um, Phoebe Cates character who has a bit of more of a like a problematic relationship with christmas you have gizmo who is just like a sweetheart but then you have the actual gremlins like stripe and the rest of them who are just absolute terrible creatures that for some reason love the love um snow white my
0: my favorite line in gremlins is when phoebe kate says that at christmas
1: kids should be cutting paper not cutting their wrists and i'm like phoebe cates that's dark no she said she says she says um when there's kids opening presents some people are opening up their veins
0: that's what it is and it's like the when you find out the way that the way that her dad died you're like
1: holy shit who wrote this uh he was like, this, got, this took a dark turn fast. Also, I don't
0: know if you were aware of this, but do you know that in the original script for Gremlins that Gizmo was supposed to turn into a Gremlin and they were going to kill him at the end of the movie? Oh, really? Yeah, you know who changed it?
1: Who? S- Spielberg. That would make sense.
0: S- yeah, Spielberg went to Joe Dante and was like, dude, people are going to love Gizmo, don't. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Well, isn't and Gremlins one of the reasons why we have the PG thirteen now?
0: Pretty much that and Ghost. You know that and Ghostbusters came out the same weekend. Really? Could you imagine going to the movies that weekend? <laughs> what a weekend! And also, I got to shout out Dick Miller for the most ad- absurd performance in a movie. Is Mister Futterman in this? <laughs> like, Just like the most cynical racist. Those damn
1: foreigners. Those damn foreign cars.
0: He, <laughs> he is, is awful. He, he, he is a horrible, but you know, Dick Miller, he was in like, if you watch an eighties horror movie, you're pretty much going to see Dick Miller show up. And also, uh, the craziest cameo ever from Chuck Jones, the creator of Looney Tunes. Who was he? He's the guy in the bank that talks to Billy at the bank at the beginning. That's him. Originally they, yeah, they originally they wrote a, uh uh plot arc for him that he was going to talk a little bit more to billy about his um about his art but yeah he was really close to joe dante and joe dante wanted him to be in the movie
1: i had no clue that was him
0: yeah yeah and then uh one of the most evil one of the most evil characters in a movie mrs deagle
1: yeah talk about a sociopath
0: i'll put him in the dryer on high heat that'll te
1: de- <laughs> and they, i think i love how the guy looks i that'll do it all right <laughs> i love i just love the
0: gremlins with deagle deagle deagle
1: <laughs> i love when they're singing when they're singing carols outside of the house yeah.
0: <laughs> also the score to this movie is perfect oh yeah uh i, I like i li- i listen to it all the time and it's just so it accompanies the movie so well it's just like this is a perfect movie. I I honestly, other than other than at the beginning of the movie, the, my one qualm with Gremlins is at the beginning of the movie when Billy Peltzer's dad is down there buying Gizmo and he looks at that poor Asian man running that shop. He's like, you ever got a real case of the dragon breath? And then the, a <laughs> gong sound effect goes off. And I'm like, who wrote this movie? <laughs> like... Obviously, it was 1984, but still. But I love Gremlins. And also, controversial opinion. I love Gremlins (laughs) 2.
1: That's not controversial. Gremlins 2 is a perfect movie.
0: Oh, my God, Ray. I'm so glad you said that. Because Gremlins, we should... Is this turning into an episode just about Gremlins?
1: (laughs) Gremlins 2 is a perfect movie.
0: Yeah, now you look at it and you realize that Clamp's character is totally a a goof on Trump. (laughs) Like a hundred percent, like that whole character was just goofing on him in the, in the early nineties. Yeah. That movie's great. Uh, but the original gremlins is one of the best horror comedies ever made. And what I love about it is the puppeteering is incredible. Yes. Like there's only one really bad shot in this movie. And that's like the stop motion effect of like all the gremlins running down the street. But I feel like there's not really any other way they could have filmed it at that time.
1: No, there was no way.
0: No, but it looks great. I also really love Corey Feldman's performance in this. I feel like
1: he, Oh, before Corey went crazy. Yeah,
0: he has that like real sense of childlike wonderment. Like he really acts like Gizmo is real.
1: Also, like you don't have an eighties movie until you have Corey Feldman. No,
0: that's true. Well, unless you have Corey Feldman doing a really bad uh a really bad impression like in The Lost Boys.
1: <laughs> don't touch my Lost Boys.
0: I love that movie, but his impression, his voice in that movie is so weird. <laughs> I don't understand what he's trying to do. <laughs> so that's Gremlins. We could talk about it for an eternity, but hit me with another one, Ray.
1: Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to, um, to sweet heartfelt movies. Um, Yay! this is a really sweet movie. I feel like this is one of the movie that touches on, um, the touches, because, okay, con- not controversial, I don't want to say controversial, but uh, random opinion that a lot of people are going to think I'm being crazy, but let me explain myself. I happen to be one of the people that believe that Santa Claus is real, not in the sense of like some, you know, like old man going down chimneys. No, for me, the essence of Santa Claus, the fact that because he really, he really was a real person, he is based of a real person. That they would build toys for children, um, and I believe that legend—the legend, the legend of, of of Saint Nick and the things that he did—I do wholeheartedly believe in that and of what that story entails for us nowadays of being giving to others and to for forgetting ourselves and thinking of others. Like so, I believe in the, in Santa Claus in that in that regard um, of what he represents and how there really was a Saint Nick at one point in time um so having said that the reason why i love this movie is because i feel like this movie that i'm about to mention is the one that comes the closest from what i've seen personally to the true legend and background of saint nick and that is netflix original movie Klaus.
0: i have not seen it but i've heard that it's beautiful from multiple people
1: it's a beautiful movie um the voice casting is great, um, or I guess it's called Klaus. But yeah, like you have Jason Schwartzman as the lead, as this kind of like cynical, spoiled rich kid that is just getting a handout from dad. And his dad, in an effort to teach him a lesson, sends into this like kind of dilapidated, rundown, cynical, small town in an island where everyone hates everybody. And there's just a cynicism behind it. And he meets this like kind of mystical old man who is actually voiced by J.K. Simmons, um, who is, plays the role of Klaus, and this this old kind of hermit guy that builds toys for children, or at least he starts building toys for children, and they realize that as they kind of build these toys and take them to children, the children become more well-behaved, and then like the whole aura of the town starts shif- shifting through that. I and mean, there's obviously conflict and antagonist in this movie, but the... First of all, the animation is beautiful. Um, like I said, the voice acting, you have, like I said, Jason Schwartzman, J.K. Simmons, Joan Cusack, Rashida Jones. Like it has great talent behind it. Great, uh, you know, the artwork, all the animation is beautiful. The music is beautiful as well. Um, but yeah, it's the story of this kind of bratty guy that hates. You know, he's just kind of a spoiled brat and goes to this small town where people are really bitter and angry and. He meets this giant man named Klaus, and they start building toys for children and trying to make it a holiday tradition. And it's, it's a really beautiful story, um, and I feel like it's the one that comes the closest to the whole um, actual legend of Saint Nick.
0: Yeah, that sounds great. I'm definitely going to have to check that out. So
1: yeah, that's that's the one that I wanted to bring up. I don't have much more else to say about it. But yeah, I just highly recommend this movie, Klaus. It's, it's, it's a heartfelt movie with great performance it's a beautiful beautiful animation
0: well I do have a question do you have a lot to say about a 1990s film also uh, featuring Chris Columbus as the director called Home Alone
1: yeah I have I have, I have <laughs> thoughts I have thoughts do you have thoughts on Home Alone yeah th- th- do, you,
0: do you enjoy Home Alone I do
1: it's a cautionary tale of don't have too many children <laughs> Kevin
0: Kevin <laughs> <laughs> My my favorite line in Home Alone still is Fuller go easy on the Pepsi. <laughs> I don't want to sleep with Fuller he wets the bed. <laughs> I I obviously have a lot of uh fond memories of Home Alone. I've probably seen this movie 200,000 times in my lifetime that's not an exaggeration i remember around christmas i would put it in my vhs player uh at the beginning of the morning and my brother and i would try to see how many times we could watch it and uh yeah i love everything about this movie i'm pretty sure everything about it that has been that could be said has been but, like, it's a perfect movie, in my opinion. I don't care what people say. It's so much fun.
1: It's a fantastic movie. I love this movie. And there's also, like, a really, like, sweet side of it. Of, like, you know, the story of, of Kevin meeting the the old man from across the street. And, you know, there's that beautiful aspect of it. Like, I know a lot of people think of, the, of just, like, the randomness of the movie or the silliness of the movie or even that whole, like... um uh, keep the change, you know, <laughs> Merry C-
0: <laughs> Merry Christmas, you filthy animal.
1: <laughs> yeah, like obviously everyone thinks of those moments, but the movie does have like a really sweet message that I really thoroughly enjoy about it.
0: There are 15 people in this house and you're the only one that has to make trouble. <laughs> I used to be able to quote the whole movie. Uh, Buzz's girlfriend, Wolf, is another great line. I, I honestly, like one of my favorite scenes, I don't know, my brother and I used to always be like, we're going to do this one day and we never did. Maybe I should do it as an adult. I always wanted to sled down my stairs. <laughs> I When I was a little kid, I was like, I know I'm an idiot for this and I'm going to hurt myself, but I wanted to, I never did it.
1: Nate, I never did it. Nate, take it from someone that just fractured their foot from going down the stairs. Well, also, don't I'm do six
0: it. foot eight, so getting on a sled is not going to be the easiest thing in the world anyway.
1: Well, I'm, I'm for, I'm. I'm four seven, so.
0: Yeah. So, well, you're very small. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, uh, like I said, whenever we uh, record in person, you'll have to get on my shoulders, and we'll form one giant film monster.
1: Did you ever see? Did did you ever watch Scrubs?
0: Yes, I love Scrubs.
1: So, so can we make like the world's largest doctor?
0: <laughs> yes, we can. <laughs> but but no i love home alone i i obviously we have to uh we have to mention the amazing performances from joe pesci and daniel stern oh my uh, gosh, just incredible obviously both of those men would have died multiple times if those things actually happened to them uh but yeah it's just charming and also john candy like when he shows up in this movie every time i'm like i always forget john candy's in this movie
1: so I had forgotten
0: that he was in that movie. Just just uh just them in the back of the truck playing polka together. <laughs> and 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 you think like, you know, Catherine O'Hara is an incredible actress, but look at the trajectory of her career. I mean, even like with Schitt's Creek recently, like she's blowing up. She's always great in everything that she's in, but I love Home Alone. It's charming. It's fun. I love it.
1: So Nate, how many how many do you still have on your list?
0: I have 3 left.
1: I have three left as well. Nice. So let me let me bring it while we're talking. Home Alone. Um, I got I gotta mention because this is a, basically the R-rated Home Alone, and that is my friend. Better watch out.
0: Better watch out is very entertaining. I really enjoyed it, especially because I did not see the twist coming.
1: No, me
0: neither. Yeah, I I really didn't know anything about it. I actually. Uh, it's funny. So this came out when I was in film school. And one of the things about film school which was really cool is I had a segment that I had to do uh every semester which was that I had to watch movies from a specific list of films and this was one of the movies that they let us pick from. So I actually ended up getting to go to the theater and watch this movie and I really enjoyed it a lot. Um it's different it's very funny at times. It's also, but very...
1: it can get really dark.
0: It does. It's very disturbing. I actually saw something this year where they've talked about slating a sequel. Oh, really? Yeah, which I think would be really interesting because I think this thing came out in what, like, 2016.
1: Yeah, and it does leave a cliffhanger. It d- does leave it open ended for sure.
0: Yeah, it took a twist that I was not expecting, but uh, I do. I did find it to be really entertaining and it's obviously a much more cynical, dark Christmas movie. Uh, um, not as dark as inside, but it is dark (laughs) for sure. Uh, you, you don't have a pregnant woman that's, uh, that's almost murdered multiple times, but it is, I, I do like that. The film constantly is sort of playing mind games with you.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Um, And I do, like I said, this movie, I call it the R-rated Home Alone because in a way it sort of is this kind of kid doing this like psychopathic, um, except instead of like he's actually trying to kill these people. And some of the kills are so like creative, like the one that he does with the paint, with the paint buckets. Yes. And when you see the, when the blood is like mixing with the yellow paint also random, like performance from Patrick Wadburton.
0: Yes. Completely random. But I feel like that's his whole career. He just like, he was in the B movie for Christ's sake. The dude does whatever he wants. He's
1: in family guy.
0: Yeah. He, the dude, the dude does whatever he wants, but yeah, it's a fun movie. I mean, it's really entertaining.
1: It's really violent. I like it. Yeah,
0: I mean, as you should. You should like it. It's fun.
1: So I don't have much to say about it. I just wanted to give a little a little gore some, a, a shot. I didn't want to be the only sappy one in this this conversation. I wanted to have some violence too, damn it.
0: No, you're fine. So in my last three, I want to make a, 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 a quick little preface before I start my last three, uh, which is that all three of these movies mean a great deal to me. Uh, they're all movies that have been in my life for quite some time. And that I feel like are the ones that hold the most weight for me when it comes to Christmas time. Um, And the first one is not a full length movie. It's like 25 minutes long. And that's a Charlie Brown Christmas.
1: Oh, that movie Yes, I love it.
0: I I love a Charlie Brown Christmas. And the reason why I wanted to bring it up, my name was almost Charlie. And my last name's Brown. uh, For all of you out there that don't know that. Uh, But my parents almost named me Charlie Brown. Peanuts was a huge part of my life growing up. Uh, I still love Peanuts. I'll still read the comic strips. I loved the Peanuts movie that came out a few years ago. Like, loved it. Uh, It was
1: great. I loved it, too.
0: I think that Charles Schultz was so ahead of his time. And, like, there's almost this comical cynicism to Peanuts. And, like, uh, sometimes I watch that and I'm like, this is for kids. Cause it just, it's, it's so like the cynicism is really palpable. Like you can feel the way Charlie Brown's character (laughs) perceives life. He's very, he's, he's very much a downer, uh, in the best way. And what I love about Charlie Brown Christmas is I feel like, you know, obviously there's the, the message that Linus gets across from the religious perspective, but I think that more than anything, the movie looks at that. Feeling of depression and loneliness and isolation that comes around the holidays that Charlie Brown gets I mean, he's left out of essentially everything people don't really want to be around him at all and when they do they're They're kind of just clowning on him and treating him bad and until the very end when he wants to go get this tree and He gets like the ugliest Christmas tree, but the reason why is because he's such an empathetic soul He's like I want this tree to have a home like, I, I want it to, to not be left out. And there's so much beauty in just the little moments in A Charlie Brown Christmas that just, like, brings my heart the most overwhelming sense of joy. Like, I I just can't. I can't say it enough, but I love A Charlie Brown Christmas. And the Vince Guaraldi score is playing around my house all December long.
1: Yeah, uh, that movie. Charlie Brown, just as a character, he, he is, like, the epitome of, like, an empathetic character that all he wants is for people to care and love each other
0: exactly that's all he wants and and he wants the world to be a better place but cynicism gets the best of him which i can completely understand because we live in kind of a bad world and that really hasn't changed but like i I just i i love the hopeful optimism at the end and i love when they all sing "Hark the herald angels sing at the end i think it's beautiful it almost tears me up every time watch it again now (laughs)
1: like right now
0: but but I won't dwell on it for too long. So go ahead, Ray. What's your next pick?
1: My next pick is a movie that came out this year. Came out a few weeks ago.
0: Oh my God, um, it's violent, violent night.
1: <laughs> we have David Harbour as this jaded, jaded Santa Claus delivering presents. And he's so fed up. He's partly drunk. He's delivering presents. He shows up at a house. And he's about to deliver the presents when a gang of thugs breaks into the house to steal money from a vault and this little girl who's just the sweetest girl you'll ever see is in danger and he can't help himself but to stay there and to unleash unleash his inner john McClane on the household
0: so let me ask you a question i love david harbour and i'm sure that he's perfect in this role but did you want it to secretly be be uh kurt russell the whole time you were watching it
1: Kurt Russell is Santa Claus, and he will forever be Santa Claus. David Harbour is acting like Santa Claus. Kurt Russell is Santa Claus. He will be here at midnight on the 24th, dropping off presents at my house.
0: Would Violent Night have been an even better movie if it was Nicolas Cage in an oversized Santa Claus costume?
1: No, Violent Night would have been better if Kurt Russell was actually playing... (laughs) Snake Pl- what's his name again? Snake Snake Pliskin. His- yeah. <laughs> yeah, if it was if he was Snake Pliskin dressed up as Santa Claus. So
0: my real question is, does it hold back on the violence or does it really go No.
1: Ahead? It goes for again, it. Cuz
0: that's what I was hopeful for. I still haven't seen it yet, but I was like, god, I hope they don't pull back on the violence in this. I want it to be gruesome. They don't
1: pull back on the violence. There is plenty of violence. There's also a really cool thing that they do in this movie where they try to add Like a little bit of background to the Santa Claus and who he is or where he came from, which is really cool. Um, There's a couple of things that if you think too hard about it, you can, you know, movie logic kicks in and you're just like, you just have to kind of, you know, suspend this belief and accept a few things about this movie. But it is fun. It's basically like a. you probably have heard the world say this already. It's basically like Die Hard meets Home Alone.
0: That sounds amazing. I'm also just picturing, like, David Harbour under the Santa outfit being, like, tatted the fuck up, like, all kinds of tattoos and stuff, like, looking like a grizzled Santa Claus.
1: <laughs> oh, you just gotta watch it. There's there's plenty of what you're wanting in it. Um, but And then the performance of the... Eh, but the thing is, it's like a lot of people focus on the gore, the violence, the humor of it, but it really does have a really sweet message, you know, like... You because th- at the very beginning, Santa Claus, um, he is like jaded, he definitely is upset with the holiday, he is fed up with how cynical and evil people have turned, um, how divided we are, and there's this like sense of cynicism that comes from him, so it kind of like seeing him. It's almost like Santa Claus is regaining his love for the holiday and his, and the role that he plays in the holiday while beating the crap out of John Leguizamo and company.
0: I wanted to beat the crap out of John Leguizamo and the menu. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's okay. It's because he made you watch a terrible movie on his day off. On his it, day off. He did.
0: But no, I, I want to watch this movie really bad. Uh, now that you mentioned that, I'm like, I need to get to the theater before it leaves.
1: Yeah, no, it's fantastic. So I won't, I won't say much more because you you do have to experience it.
0: Well, I can't wait to experience it. And the next movie I'm going to talk about is one that you have experienced uh, multiple times, I'm assuming. And it's another near and dear to my heart. And that's A Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, uh, probably one of my favorite Christmas movies ever made. Because it combines both holidays that I love more than anything. Uh, incredible stop motion. Amazing music. Like, just brilliant. I mean, it's brilliant in every single way i i don't have a single qualm with this i think that it's a perfect movie and it really just kind of instills the holiday spirit in me i start watching this typically in september and i'll typically watch it three or four times before the year ends but i won't stick to i won't talk too much about it because ray and i have talked about it half a million times on this podcast so you already know how much we love it but it is one of my favorite christmas movies
1: well nate it 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 has come to the moment the moment of truth. However, before we jump onto our number, our, our, our last pick of, of the evening, just real quick, because we can go on for hours with this topic. Real quick, just give me like two honorable mentions from your list that didn't make the cut. You know exactly which one I'm going to mention next, so don't touch that one.
0: Well, uh, comically enough, one of the films on my list, as much as you were making fun of it, is The Green Knight. <laughs> 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 because it is a Christmas movie, goddammit, and I'll fight for it forever. Um, That was on my list, and then actually on my list uh, is a movie that I just watched for the first time this week, and it's called P2, and it's a a suspense horror movie about a woman who... Uh, is in her office on Christmas Eve. She's g- getting ready to leave and this uh, lunatic security guard that works in the parking garage at her office locks her in because he's infatuated with her. And it's about her trying to escape the parking garage on Christmas Eve.
1: Interesting. That sounds cool.
0: Yeah, it's it's streaming for free on Tubi and it is a blast. I would that sounds recommend.
1: really cool. Um, The two that I would have brought up if we had more time was, you know... Um I think it's worth mentioning that you can't have the Christmas spirit until you watch the the twenty-five minute short for the Grinch.
0: Yes, I love it so much. I
1: love the Jim Carrey one too, but I feel like the 25 minute short is like encompasses everything about the holiday perfectly in 25 minutes. The
0: the OG. It's amazing. Sometimes I'll listen to the audio recording version on Spotify just because I love it so much.
1: And obviously, don't make fun of me. Please don't make fun of me. But I have a soft spot for the Daddy's Home movies.
0: I don't know. I haven't seen any of them, so I can't give you a hard time about it. Or the, is that the Will Ferrell movies? The Will
1: Ferrell movies with uh, and and Mark Wahlberg?
0: Yeah, they they have great chemistry. I thought the other guys was hilarious.
1: It was hilarious and the, the, this one Daddy's Home is funny. The movie's hilarious. But then, but then there's Daddy's Home 2 where this time they bring out their parents and get this the um will ferrell's dad is portrayed by john lithgow oh my god i need to watch this
0: movie and mark
1: and mark walbert's dad is mel gibson
0: oh my lord what a movie
1: (laughs) it's i they're they're cheesy they're silly but damn it they're funny
0: (laughs) so what's your number one i already know but you can tell everybody
1: Oh my friend, my friend. Let me, let me. It's a, it's a, it's a little movie that's actually my favorite Christmas movie, favorite Christmas movie. And that movie is it's, it's, it's a, a darling called Krampus.
0: You already know my love for Michael Doherty, so you know how much I love this movie.
1: <laughs> also, I want to clarify: it's Michael Doherty's Krampus because there's other Krampus movies out there that. Aren't great. No, uh
0: I I love this movie too and I think what I like about it so much is uh and the reason why I didn't put it on my list is it was on my list but I knew you were going to talk about it. Uh I love the cynicism of it. I think Michael Doherty is one of the few directors who has like this really cynical mind towards the holidays that also has glimmers of optimism. But my God, that first slow motion scene of people beating the shit out of each other in the department store. I was like,
1: to, to the, to the tune of it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Like, you know exactly how this guy feels about the holidays. That is one of my favorite openings in movie history. Like it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Also though, like I will admit that there's something sweet about the movie. Um, but like I said, still cynical, but sweet. Um, I remember going to see, I saw this movie in theaters. And I remember sitting down and I thought it was going to be like a straight out horror movie. And that first scene comes on and I immediately went, this is a horror comedy. And it's going to be one of the greatest things I will see in my lifetime.
0: How did you not know as soon as you saw David Kochner was cast in the movie? You knew it was going to be a straightforward horror movie.
1: <laughs> because Because I went to this movie blind.
0: Yeah, well, that makes sense. Yeah, purposely, I, saw, avo-
1: I purposefully avoided trailers for this movie.
0: It's fantastic. I love the atmosphere of the movie. I also love the way that this, like, when everything is snowed in, the way that it looks, like that b- blue hue throughout the entire movie. It's really cold and uninviting and horrifying to look at.
1: Also, you have the great line. Where it's like I just got my ass kicked by a bunch of ginger cookies.
0: Oh my god! Yes, that is brilliant. I think all the casting in this is great too. Even Adam Scott, who plays a little out of character in this movie. I
1: loved Adam Scott so much. Um, I loved him in this role. I thought he was great. Um, I also love how unapologetically Christmassy this movie is. It is. Like it's it's like you can t- if you take away all the horror elements and all of the cynicism and all of that, like. And if you take away the setting, the set design, their clothing, what you know, the stuff that they're wearing, it's like unapologetically Christmassy.
0: Also, freaking Tony Collette, man. Uh, just the just the best. Also, a uh, little fun fact about this: I don't know if you knew this at all, but two of the uh, two of the creatures are vo- voiced by Justin Roiland and Seth Green.
1: Are you serious?
0: Yeah, Justin Roiland is uh, clumpy. And Seth Green is lumpy.
1: Are you serious? Yes. I didn't. You didn't know that? No, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. I, I, I love Rick and Morty. So as, as soon as I found out about that, I was like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, I love Michael Doherty. I'm sure you've seen it, but I have not heard the greatest things about his Godzilla movie.
1: I love it. Um, honestly, whoever criticized those movies can suck it because you clearly misunderstood the point of that movie. But
0: I do hope, because I know that's a huge-ass budget movie for Michael Doherty. I know he's working on Trick or Treat too. I would love to see another Krampus movie. I love him in the horror genre. I think he's perfect for it. I think he understands it.
1: I think he's perfect. He understands horror, but he's perfect at making. He has a really nice balance of making horror very smart, very thought out, very cynical, but also walks the balance of making it accessible. I could show Krampus or Trick or Treat to a more mainstreamish audience.
0: Yeah, it's not. It's not like. It's not so too smart for its own good. It's very. It, it feels like it's from the eighties. A lot of these movies. A lot of. I feel like Krampus and Trick or Treat both feel like movies that could have been released in like 1985.
1: Krampus has a lot of callbacks to Gremlins too. Like the, oh, the style.
0: Especially like the the creatures, like the bear creatures.
1: Yes. Also, and this isn't the Film Monsters podcast episode until I bring up the genius that is the score. Like obviously... Yes,
0: it's incredible. Obviously the
1: score is very like holiday vibing, but... The song "Carol of the Bell" Krampus is one of my favorite holiday songs. Now, when you hear the chorus saying, "This will be a very scary Christmas," mm-hmm. it's hilarious. I love it. I
0: actually every time I watch that movie, I actually like listen to uh, to the end credits and that score, Me too. That score is done by Douglas Pipes, who also did the Trick or Treat score, and they're both amazing. Is it is it on vinyl or not?
1: What Krampus? You bet. You bet. You. you... Bet your bottoms it is. Oh, then
0: I'll need to pick that up because I love the trick or treat score and I love the Krampus score.
1: Oh, it's amazing! It is an amazing score, and yes, you should pick it up. I actually, I, I, I used to have two copies, but I gifted one to my brother for a Christmas.
0: Look at look at you being a sweetheart.
1: You know, I do what I do. He he de- he designs awesome logos for us. I need I need to keep my my artists happy.
0: Yes, you do. But I love that movie too, so I totally understand why it's your number one.
1: So, without further ado, hit me with it.
0: Yeah. So my number one movie, as I hinted uh, in the last episode, uh, I'll keep it. I'll end it on a sappy note. But my number one movie is "It's a Wonderful Life," and I know Ray gave me some shit because a lot of it takes place during the summer. But <laughs> but I I do think that the closeout at Christmas time is. Uh, it, it, it's just like one of the most beautiful movies in the world to me. And I think that the reason for that is, uh, Jimmy Stewart's character, George Bailey really, to me is representative of a lot of feelings that I've had in my life of like, feeling like you're not good enough or like, uh, just that you're not worth anything and getting to the lowest point in your life to where you just wish you were dead. Well,
1: and, and there's something to be said about the influence this film has had throughout throughout history. I mean, a movie that I wanted to bring up but we just don't have enough time was um, It's a Very Muppet Christmas movie which is which is clearly like an homage to It's a Wonderful Life. So, I mean, uh, Kermit the Frog has kind of a similar situation on that movie where he's down on his luck and just wishes he wasn't alive. Um, and that trope of someone down in their luck on... The, the alleged most wonderful holiday of the year and that dichotomy is so powerful.
0: And he's a really great guy. Like, he gives up everything he wants to do in his life to try to fix the town he lives in. Like, he he literally, like, wants to do what's right. And it's like, I, I feel like so many people in there, I know so many great human beings in my life that have literally done so much for other people that, you know, give up things for other people and do things for other people that it feels like life just deals them a bad hand. And it's just like watching that happen to this character is so difficult. And every time I watch this movie, the scene that inevitably makes me cry every time is when he goes to visit his mom and she doesn't know who he is. Every time I watch that, it like destroys me because like you see the movie does such a great job of building up all the relationships between this these characters that when you do get to the point where he wishes that he wasn't born all of that is so much more impactful in a way that it just hurts. And Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart's performance in it as well is just like mind blowing. I
1: think there's also something to be said about, you know, we live in in an era where, you know, a lot, you know, thankfully we're having more conversations about around mental illnesses, but we live in an era where a lot of people do have this sadness and built in like self hatred and to be able to, see a movie that from so early on was kind of addressing the topic of like, Hey, you matter uh, and you matter and you should stick around because a world without you wouldn't be the same world.
0: Exactly. And that's, that's my favorite thing about this. And obviously I've talked multiple times about, you know, mental illness and like the importance I feel like that needs to be set on like taking care of people with mental illness. And so this movie like really hits hard. uh, Every time I watch it, I like I said, Jimmy Stewart, one of the most charming actors to ever do it. Uh I I've loved every movie I've ever seen him in. I think that this casting is perfect. I think that this, the cinematography in it is phenomenal. Like honestly, there's so many shots in this movie that are like stuck in my brain. That scene of him running through Bedford Falls at the end of the movie is like probably one of the most iconic scenes in all of film history. Uh, Mr. Potter is an asshole. <laughs> Probably one of the worst characters in all of film. But I love It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, it's just, it's beautiful.
1: And this is, this is a prime, this this film is a prime example of how people need to, like people that are like, ooh, against black and white movies. This is a prime example of one that you need to, you need to get over that because this is one of those movies that if you would just get over your, whatever you have against black and white films, is like you would see some, one of the most beautiful things ever another movie that comes to mind um which i just want to s- slip it in there real quick is um um miracle on 34th street you know like th- there are so many beautiful movies from that era that people just kind of cringe at because oh they're old movies and it's like you have no idea how powerful these films are basically any adaptation of a christmas carol too you know
0: well you know if you are one of those people that can't handle black and white they did colorize it's a wonderful life a few years ago <laughs> So you can if if you're if you're that type of person, you can watch it in glorious and glorious Technicolor. <laughs> and you can see Jimmy Stewart, Jimmy Stewart and all of his all of his wonder. I love Jimmy Stewart, man. I I used to do a very good Jimmy Stewart impression. That was like my family's favorite thing. I haven't done it in a really long time, but I love his voice, just iconic. You don't get actors like that from that era anymore. It's not the same. It's very... I feel like the movies from like the 20s through like the 50s, very stage performance. Very, very... It's very different than the type of acting now. We we really try to be as naturalistic as possible now in film. That era is very like theatrical, very stage performance But I won't go... I won't drone on about it. But I love It's a Wonderful Life. One of the best movies ever made.
1: I wholeheartedly agree. Well, Nathan... The holidays are upon us, and I'm so excited to watch a bunch of these.
0: <laughs> I know, right? Like, talking about these, I'm like, now I know what I'm going to do the next couple of weeks. Like, I just want to sit down and watch these movies, and I I just... There's something about holiday films that just brings me an immense amount of joy, and like, especially the ones on your list that I've never seen before. Like, I'm going to tell you right now, that 8-bit Christmas movie, 100% going to be watching that.
1: Yeah, it's wonderful.
0: Yeah, uh, Christmas Chronicles, Klaus, Klaus, like all of those movies just sound like movies that I'm going to appreciate. And obviously I'm going to force myself to watch It's a Wonderful Life because it always puts me in a good mood. (laughs) So we probably won't talk about anything we watched this week because we went a a little long.
1: But I wanted to bring one up real quick.
0: Okay, you go ahead and bring one up real quick then. We'll make it work.
1: Because it was my cheat. I was going to cheat and sneak in the movie that it wasn't quite Christmassy, but it, it sets the mood for Christmas.
0: Do it. Go for it.
1: It's called Black Friday.
0: I have Oh, is that the one with Bruce Campbell that you sent me the picture? Yes. Is it good?
1: Um, it's fine. Um Bruce Campbell is not the main character despite him being the front and center of the poster.
0: He's in it for five minutes.
1: No, he he <laughs> he's in it a pretty decent amount, but he's a background character. Um Is he I like wish... the
0: manager of the store? Yes, he is. <laughs> I figured.
1: <laughs> um it's a fun movie, you know, it's it's a horror comedy. Um a little bit of sci-fi thrown in there, like it was basically like Dawn of the Dead meets like um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, in a oh, nutshell. That sounds,
0: that sounds fun.
1: It, it was a fun time, you know. I even if the movie isn't the best, I will always support Bruce Campbell. Um, it takes pl- basically basic premise is medi- There's a meteor shower and all these meteorites that land on the Earth release these like warm light creatures that possess people to go crazy and this happens during black friday and all these people working at this shop get corner instead of the get like shut in inside of the store while all of these shoppers go insane and try to kill them in the murderous rampage on black friday
0: that sounds wonderful
1: it was wonderful it was a good time um i wish i would have had more bruce campbell and i wish i would have had more of that like cocky Brucey but he is getting old He he's letting other people take front and center
0: well he said that he doesn't really have it in him anymore you can't really be too hard on the guy for it <laughs> he,
1: he he did the work he deserves a free paycheck
0: well, I'll quickly mention a movie I watched this week. I watched a movie called Christmas Bloody Christmas about a robotic Santa Claus that murders people. Sweet. Uh it was it was entertaining. I mean it's not a it's not a perfect movie. It's directed by I think you might have said that you've seen some of his other movies, right? It's directed by the guy who made VFW and Bliss.
1: I have seen both of them, yeah.
0: Yeah, Joe Joe Bagos, I think.
1: I could uh, tell from re- the beginning when I saw the trailer, I was like, Wow, this looks a lot like You know, like, very stylized, like, BFW. And then he says, from the director of BFW, I'm like, there it is.
0: My biggest qualm is, like, the first kills in the movie are POV. And they're lit so dark, you can't even really see what's happening. Which is a gripe that I have. If you're going to do POV, like, make it look good. Uh, But the other kills in the movie are great. The practical effects are really fantastic. I feel like it kind of falls off the rails towards the end to where it's just, like, repetitive but it's still, like, if you're looking for a movie about a robotic Santa Claus that kills people and you're, like, in the mood to watch a stupid slasher, you'll like it. There you go. Yeah, so that's uh, that's our Christmas episode. It was fun to talk about Christmas movies with you, Ray. I feel like we gave people a lot of recommendations, uh, a lot of things that they they can enjoy. And speaking of recommendations, we're winding down the end of the year. And so Ray and I really wanted to talk about our favorite movies of 2022. And so what we're going to do is we're going to break it apart into two episodes because we don't want to drone on forever in one. So it's going to end up being our 20 favorite movies of the year. So starting next week, we're going to start from 20 and count down and then we'll stop the episode and then we'll do part uh, two where we count down our top 10. So I'm really looking forward to it, Ray. I can't wait to talk about that with you. I'm, I'm curious as to how much our lists have shifted because I know we talked about, I think, our five favorites of the year earlier on. So it'll be interesting to see if it shifted or what new movies have shown up.
1: Yeah, I am excited. I'm excited to, um, to see. And, you know, I feel like, because we don't have enough time to talk about everything we watch throughout the year, so I'm excited to maybe pick up on some stuff that I didn't get to, you know, experience i'm trying to cram a handful still this week but i we'll see where where we land
0: uh so yeah that'll be interesting so if you want to follow us over on instagram at the film monsters podcast and keep up with us and when episodes are being released uh you can follow us over there you can follow ray and i at our personal instagrams at my exit unfair and analog c we always appreciate comments and talking to people that's our most fun part of the job and, uh, just want to say thanks for listening and, uh, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays, everybody.
1: On a the, on the closing note, Nate, what killed the dinosaurs?
0: The Ice Age! <laughs> Goodbye!
1: Goodbye, everybody!